0: This week's episode of Studio Inter, will be analyzing the win against Sampdoria, we'll be previewing the games against Sassuolo and Parma, interview with Serie A commentator Patrick Kendrick, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, they're the, they're coming fast and furious in between because uh, the games are basically we're playing games every three days, so hang on to your hats and let's go. Uh, I'm joined today by the preview writer for Sempreinter.com, Mr. Muhammad Nasser. How are you doing? I'm doing well, hello hello everyone. Hope you're doing as well as well. Sounds good. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to get into why we're doing well uh, and, and why all Interisti should be doing well. Although I'm not, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the crank. I'm going to be the moji to your moratti this week. Um, <laughs> and we're all the way from uh, uh, Florida, Mr. Alex Dono. How are you doing, man? Good to have I'm you. I'm doing all.
1: great. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, it's been a minute since I've spoken to you all, so thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah it is. Um and it's good to have you on. And we're also joined by our good friend Mr. William Beckman. Good evening. I've had an incredibly
2: lazy day, so I'm going to pretend that it, I've been saving my energy for this podcast. <laughs> so uh,
0: let's get on with it. That's good. And we're also good, joined by our good friend Serie commentator. Uh, he did the Cup final uh, when when Napoli won uh, against Juventus, uh, and he's worked for Inter TV. He's worked for Benfica TV. He also has the sexiest Portuguese accent you can imagine. Welcome back, Mr. Patrick Hendrick. Hello, everyone. Great to be back. Lovely to talk about the Nerazzurri. Oh, it's always good to have you. Right, let's uh, let's get right to it then. Um, you were you did the cup finally, You stayed a couple of extra days in Naples to watch all the madness and celebrations uh, go on. Um, how how was that? I mean, just first, just I mean, how how was the city? How how was everything? Well, I, I I hate to be a bit of a killjoy, but um, I
3: actually I took a train from Naples up to Milan, did the cup final off tube. I'm sort of killing the magic here of, uh, of sports <laughs> broadcasting, but uh, I'd love to say I went to Rome, but I think uh, there wasn't much space for me given uh, the ample bulk of Mr. Silvestri after he bellowed the uh, the national anthem. Oh, but yes. um, no, no. Um, no, all things. Uh, yeah, I went up to uh, I went up to Milan, did the Cup final, and then went back down to Naples. So actually missed all of the uh, congregation at Afragola, which is uh, probably the most action Afragola has ever seen. I mean, most of the time you get down on the train to to Naples from Milan, it's the best part of five hours, and you're cursing the as it trundles into Afragola, and uh, there's no point in being there. But uh, so I think there's going to be possibly a spike in uh, new cases of COVID-19. It's just so Neapolitan, to be honest, because when <laughs> it was down there, it was three or four days with zero new cases, and Campania was all very tranquil for once, and people were getting back to normality, and then Napoli go and win the Coppa Italia, and, uh, and things all get a little bit silly, people jumping off, and knocking people off their scooters, and stealing all sorts, and <laughs> projectiles and rogue missiles and all that sort of things and it's just a shame because I'm a big fan of that city and then two or three idiots just go and make all these headlines there but uh no good a good final all things considered uh I'm just sorry that I managed to uh to miss the uh the celebrations then again um my girlfriend's family they limited themselves to just sort of banging pots and pans out of the window because they're <laughs> a little bit worried about COVID-19. So that probably would have been uh, advisable, I think, for everyone that was celebrating that way. But, uh, you know, the Coppa Italia has clearly become big time in the last few years, you know, when, especially when you haven't won a, a league title in over 30 years and um, and you've only ever won a couple in your history. So, yeah, understandable, to be honest.
0: That's true. I mean, I mean, I was watching at the celebratory photos and there's not a lot of social distancing going on there. Uh, people in in fountains and stuff. But, you know, we'll just have, let's hope it all went well. Um, uh, let's talk about um, let's get let's talk about Inter. I mean, uh, we, we all kind of we were kind of divided last week on the show about Inter's performance against Napoli. Uh, and then. Then Inter go against Sampdoria and divide us again because they kind of they, they, it seems that Inter's Conte has a problem to understand that a game of football is two times forty-five minutes and not one times forty-five minutes. Uh, we've seen it against Borussia Dortmund. We saw it to some extent against um, against the Barcelona. We saw it against Milan. The first half was awful. The second half was good. And now against against Sampdoria, uh, is this is this a mental thing in your opinion? I mean, first of all, do you think it's a problem or do you think it's just a coincidence? And if you think it's a problem, is it a mental thing or is it really the fact that Antonio Conte has run these players to the ground and they're exhausted and so they can't keep up uh, and finish these games off? What are your thoughts, Patrick? I don't think it's a problem as long as you're getting results. Um, I watched
3: that Coppa Italia semi-final second leg and I couldn't believe Napoli went through to the final. I, I have to say, in you know, Spina made a string of saves... And Inter are a little bit profligate and our old friend Kandreva decides to shoot on sight when he could just square it. You know, all things <laughs> that you could probably legislate for. I mean, when Kandreva gets the ball and then then again, he went and surprised me by, uh, by squaring it to, um, to Lukaku and then Lautaro scored in the Sampdoria game. But one thing at a time, I thought Inter were unlucky to uh, to go out to napoli i have to say and then i know a lot of people were saying it was sour grapes or Conte, saying that they deserve to go through it's a difficult one isn't it because people always say oh you know so and so deserve to win the game because they had more chances or they had their better of the play or possession whatever ultimately the final score you know tells tells a story it's a bit of a cliche but it's you know it's like a golf score isn't it you know if you you, you manage to get up and down for for a par uh, I've probably just lost everyone with this analogy, but if you manage to get up and down, <laughs> to the pump, you know, then no one really cares if you if you sort of sliced it 100 yards right and then chopped it to 80 yards. You know, if you're able to get up and down, it doesn't really matter. And I think it's the same with results here. So I thought Inter unlucky, but then you know, Spina made the saves he made. You could equally say on another day he would probably catch that corner from Eriksen. Maybe it would have been a different game. But I was impressed with Inter against Napoli. I was very impressed with Inter against Sampdoria and i think if you've got the game won and you're comfortable i don't necessarily think you need to play at 100 miles an hour for 90 minutes lazio last season in particular were known for just turning it on for 45 minutes but also they didn't have that consistency over 90 minutes i remember you know they've even done it a bit this season as well i think there was a, a lazio atalanta i think it they were they were 3-0 up and got pegged back or, or vice versa um, you know atalanta is similar like that as well you know the ability to just turn on the style, blow teams away and score a goal in in a sort of glut of goals um, and then maybe manage the game. Yes, Sampdoria scored, but I don't think they really ever looked like equalising. There was an effort from Muru from outside the box that you'd expect Handanovic to say they were on target. And I think Inter have a bigger squad than they had in previous years. They still don't have the biggest squad. Their squad is... Not to be reckoned with in terms of size and depth compared with Juventus. So if they're able to get the game won in 45 or 60 minutes and then just ease off, and you know now would be the time to make those five substitutions, actually get the players off the pitch. But if you, you know, even if you want to make fewer substitutions, you want to make sure you have your best players still on the pitch. Then you, you can manage the game, and you do need to be able to manage the heat. And I, I really think this um, this tour de force, as they love to call it over here. Um, I think it's going to suit Conte down to the ground. It's like tournament football. And, um, you know, we all remember what happened in uh, in Euro 2016. Italy, Italy were so close, really.
0: Uh, Will, you have a question for Patrick?
2: I do, yes. Um, thanks for joining us, Patrick. I just pointed to hear that you weren't in Rome for the final because I wanted to know what it was like to be in the, that, that stadium with the baying virtual crowd jumping up and down in the background. That was... Uh, <laughs> The Coca-Cola masses coming in for oh. the uh, for the match. What an experience that was. No, um, my question is very much related to what we were just discussing. Um, I think my, my favourite moment of last night was Christian Eriksen's interview with Inter TV after the match when he made the mistake of slipping that um, his Italian was improving. So inevitably they asked him from the studio to give him a phrase and he just said, Inter, Scudetto, si and then had a little giggle, and then went off. Um, but that's basically the, the crux of the question. You know, this this batch has put, um, this win, I should say, has, has um, brought Inter back to within six points of Juventus, although it's kind of seven because they have the advantage on head-to-head if we end up level on points. Uh, Conte seems to really believe that this is possible. He was very bullish in the pre-match. He was very bullish in the post-match. Um, so my question is not so much Can Inter compete in the last 12 games, because I think everyone would suggest that that's very much possible, especially looking at the calendar. But do you think in your heart of hearts that we can actually win it? Because this I was looking at the numbers earlier and I was just thinking, oh, this is quite difficult because you need Juventus to drop points in three games. You need Lazio to lose twice. And that's assuming that we win every match to the end of the season. So looking at the calendar, looking at everything, do you think this is An actual possibility, or do you think we should be happy just to push them right to the end? I think it's a three-horse race. I really do. I know Juventus are one clear. I
3: was looking at it in to have a better head-to-head than Lazio. So then you're assuming that both of those sides would overhaul Juventus, because I think I'm right in saying if all three teams are level on points, then the whole head-to-head thing negates itself. us you imagine that? You're right. I mean, but football's football's not maths, though, is it? Will you know? Otherwise, it's a case of you know Juventus only need to win 10 of their remaining 12 matches uh, and then Inter can't get back into it but it doesn't really work like that and I think the games are going be, gonna to be coming so thick and fast and almost none of the teams are ever going to be playing at the same time on the same day so that brings with it whole different dynamics and then who plays first and when another side plays and who the opposition are that's all going to come into play I just think you know, Inter have a good side on paper. They don't concede many goals. If you can just keep clean sheets uh, and then nick a goal or two, I think this is absolutely built for Conte, this challenge. Lazio weren't expected to be in a Scudetto challenge. Uh, now they've got to come back and, and prove that they're able to pick up where they left off. Juventus have looked wobbly. Admittedly, in, the, in that cup semi-final second leg, they didn't need to do anything because Milan, in classic Milan style in recent years completely imploded which gave Napoli a much harder job to do, if you ask me, because Juventus didn't get out of second gear and didn't need to do anything in that semi-final second leg. Um, but I was underwhelmed by Juventus the third first half, well, the first 30 minutes notwithstanding. So I don't think this is the Juventus side of previous years. I think there's an advantage for... Uh, Inter in the sense that Sarri is still finding his feet. I don't think he's found the system that suits his team. I don't think he knows what his best 11 is, which is astonishing, really. And I don't know how much longer, this is a risky statement to make, but Ronaldo scored 25-plus goals. I think he's got more than 20 already in Serie A. Could you can tell I've been off for three months. My stats are all over the place. I'm just coming out with sort of <laughs> airy, fairy. Nonsense remarks, <laughs> but um, <laughs> which bodes well ahead of uh, Verona Napoli tomorrow night. <laughs> but uh, might
2: I brought, tune into the is, world feed, please. Yes,
3: absolutely. Actually, yeah, after I've already slated the man singing the national anthem, who by the way, let me just um, <laughs> let me just qualify that because you might not edit it out. I don't trust you guys to edit it out. Actually, yeah, uh, I thought I was very generous after he sang the national anthem because I said, I'd just like to say he's a naturalized Italian, Italian is not his first language. Uh, so not easy at the best of times to uh, to belt it out, especially as it's that whole sort of archaic Italian. I don't even know the words to... Uh, it's
2: pretty difficult hymn to sing out. It goes on forever, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In an, an empty stadium as well. So,
3: Sergio, I salute you In uh, is my second answer. But long story short, I don't see any reason why... I mean, the, the, the difficulty is that you've already played Lazio twice and you've already played Juventus twice. Had Inter had a couple of head-to-heads to play, um, but those can also work against you. Then if you lose those, you're completely out of the title race. Some, in some ways, you just think, can Inter be a flat-track bully? Can they beat all the teams in front of them? They should. They can, but this is Inter. And uh, I'm actually doing Palmer, Palmer Inter on Sunday. And uh, as I know from my uh, from my 18 months at Inter TV, the Tardini is uh, Campo Ostico. They love, uh, they love to come out with that anyway. <laughs>
0: Uh, nice one! Um, I, I mean, I think Inter have only won like three times in the history at the Tartini in the Serie. A. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a very friendly place for Inter to go. Um, Mo, have you got a, have you got a question for Patrick?
4: Yeah, um, uh, I'm going to uh, preempt your sourpussness about uh, the match by asking <laughs> me, uh, Patrick, uh, as a person who interacts with, uh, I guess, a wider swath of uh, Serie a fans in general than, than most uh, people, do you, do you reckon that Interisti are particularly prone uh, to hyperbole, uh, both negatively and positively? Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, the, the divide of which Anima speaks is is really funny because uh, there, there is a camp that really thinks that, you know, uh, not only are we Scudato challengers, but possibly even favorites, and uh. then there's another camp that thinks, you know, the, the sky is falling uh, has fallen, and uh, Conte is uh, the worst manager in Inter's history and can't uh, manage a squad for 90 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I mean, I've, I've watched quite a few uh, matches uh, post-suspension uh, across the various European leagues, and I have to say, big, all the big teams look rusty. It, it, it's, it seems like it's a period that's more difficult than a regular start of a season. Uh, for, for particularly from a, ver- from a player fitness perspective, um, and I think Inter overall have performed extremely well, all things considered. Uh, is there a reason, particular to, in- to Interisti, why they, they seem to th- exaggerate uh, negatives and positives? In particular, is this idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic to Inter supporters, or is this something that you see across uh, the tifosi of uh, multiple clubs?
3: I think it's pretty universal, but I think some clubs are more guilty of it than others. Inter are probably top of the class in terms of the you know the sort of <laughs> schizophrenia in the fan and I, I love I it. So. I, I think <laughs> you
4: know
3: you have those that you know it happened with Mancini, uh, it happened with Spalletti. You know those that you're you're top of uh, top of the league after X amount of games. It's like okay, it's our time. We're gonna we're gonna win the Scudetto this year, and then you know, and then others that there'll be five points clear with two games to go. Uh, and they'll say, no, we're definitely going to lose the title. You know, because <laughs> that's, the, that's the history of the club. And, um, you know, they can try and do their marketing campaign to do away with the whole Pata Inter and try and make it a bit more sober in terms of the tone. But that's, you know, God, I'm so cliche tonight, but it's in the DNA of the, uh, of the <laughs> club. So, um, no, it is true. I think it's true of other fan bases as well. Roma. Um, there is no club that has an ability to self-destruct like Roma, which makes them particularly interesting to cover as well. Um, and yeah, interesting to see what's going on at the moment with the sporting director and all of that. But um, I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's something about something about Inter there that um, the fan base are never on the same page, but that's probably true of, of a lot of big clubs. And I think it would probably be very into if they could come back and storm to victory here. And, you know, in some ways there's that, you know, post calciopoli you have Juventus fans always questioning how many of those inter-titles were genuine titles because Juventus were weakened by the authorities, you know, leaving aside the fact that they were actually convicted. I know this is very dear to, to Nima's heart, so I won't get <laughs> started on Kalciopoli. But, but my, my feeling is this is this is the uh, the asterisk season par excellence. this is uh, you know this is i I'd, I'd love to know how you know if you had to do a a shot for every time you heard you heard the term campionato fals falsato how you know how quickly you'd be on the floor drunk but um i think it would be very lazio or very inter to win the league and then have it sort of leveled at them for years to come you know as if to say well that doesn't really count as a title. But then again, you know, Juventus have a false number in their stadium that they're, you know, proud to parade around. So I'm not sure I've even answered your question, Mo. Um, but I, I do you know, think You know, you I, have. You have. I, I think. think uh, there is more skits you of free in the Inter <laughs> fan base than elsewhere. And I think it's because Inter want to win the league title every year. Some of the fans think they should win the title every year the Coppa Italia whatever you want to say about it it's been sort of slightly more it's a slightly more prized competition ever since Juventus decided to win it four years in a row that's my feeling certainly in the modern era but only one team can win the league title so in some ways Inter should have tried to win the domestic cup not that they didn't but they would have been better off winning that and then it's they're one step closer to winning the league title again but i think there's that sense of entitlement, and I don't mean that, I know that has a negative connotation, but I think Inter are right to feel that they should be in a challenge for the league title every year, not necessarily always win it, but this eight-year domination that we've seen from Juventus is unprecedented, and it's a pretty damning indictment on Inter and Milan in particular. Uh, And I think now the fans have probably just got to the stage where they're just saying enough is enough. Um, And I actually think Conte is the best short to mid-term fit for Inter, to get them winning again. I think Spalletti was a good hire. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think, you know, he got the club back into the Champions League two years in a row. Yes, albeit on the final day of the season. But I think the club are definitely going in the right direction. I think they are pushing towards league title. It might be out of reach this this year. But I think um, that's part and parcel of being a big club. You're always going to have naysayers that say, no, the coach is useless. No, this player is overrated. No, we shouldn't have sold so-and-so. We we need to strengthen here. And and then there are other fans that are gonna be, you know, completely over enthusiastic or very excitable at the sign of a first victory and be like, we're gonna go the whole season unbeaten. So, you know, that's what's that's what's great about football, I think.
0: Alex, did you have a question for Patrick?
1: Yeah, yeah, on the Lautaro Martinez situation, it's been you know an interesting saga to follow, especially during the hiatus, because there were all these Spanish reports and all these Italian reports. Now, <laughs> uh, Patrick, if Barcelona were to make an actual substantial offer, even if it maybe fell a little bit short of the release clause, but they make a substantial offer— Do you think that Inter may be right to take the offer, you know, knowing they would get a lot of money, big plus Valencia to reinvest, or should they hold out for the release clause and, and really hold on to Lautaro at all costs? What do you think would be the better course of action?
3: I think I just had to mi- uh, mute my microphone there because I've got the latest siren going past. Alex, can I first of all compliment you on your voice? It gets me every time. What I, you know, <laughs> Thank I would you be a so lot much, further uh, along in my commentary <laughs> career if I had those dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and if I had
1: your knowledge, we could create like a super well, broadcast. I
3: have, re- I have to rely on my content, which has been bit once tonight. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna try and be a bit more presci- precise and specific on this answer uh lautaro martinez if i'm right in thinking he's in august 97 so he's not even 23 yet and the way he started the season was brilliant and i haven't seen a, pl- a player protect the ball that well in i don't know how long uh so the ability to bring other players into the game the ability to win cheap free kicks but he's just also very technically good i think he needs to work on his heading all that being said uh the release clause is remind me 110 million euros 111 111. Oh, okay. There you go. Some sort of Nelson or something like that. Um, I'm sorry. Another cricket reference. Dreadful. Um, oh no, the previous one was golf. Sorry. Uh, you can tell I've been on the continent too long. Uh, 111 million <laughs> euros. A very, a very good, um, good purchase. You know, with with Milito's involvement. Um, I think if you get the release clause, you obviously have to accept the offer, and I think he would go. I think from we never know what's going on in the player's mind, but he does seem to be keen on a move. Um I think it's too early in his career to do that. I don't see why he couldn't go to Barcelona two or three years from now in his mid twenties um and still sort of obtain semi legendary status at Inter. You know, we've seen with another Argentine that you can score um over a hundred goals in, in a pretty short space of time and then you know tarnish your reputation. But you know that that depends on on how you go about your departure. Uh, I think it would be a shame, I think, given Marotta's ability to identify a player, a uh, hundred million in uh, in in sort of um, transfer receipts, you know, in revenue from uh, from a player sale would be pretty handy for Inter, especially if you could get three 30 million pound players or two and a half, 40 million pound, or two fifty million pound players. Um, how much do you weaken the side? I think Lukaku really thrives playing alongside Lautaro. I know Ericsson has certainly brought another dimension to Lukaku's game as well. I would love to see them again for another two seasons before he were to go on. So I think hold out for the release fee is the short answer that I could have probably given there. But if you get 100 million for someone that you paid 25 million for, uh, there or thereabouts, then it's it's hard to turn down that money, really. But into it's tricky because a lot of the financial fair play restrictions are now being relaxed. So ordinarily, you'd say, this is the way you need to run the club for the foreseeable future, if not for the short term, whilst you're making sure that you're in the Champions League year in, year out getting that revenue. But Suning have, have run the club so well financially that I don't think you necessarily need to sell Lautaro for that. But from a business sense... it it absolutely um, would be a sensible decision to sell him. I personally would want to keep him uh, as an observer of the league uh, and as Inter fans, I'm sure, you know, you'd love to see Lautaro stay there till the age of 30. I think if you can strike a balance whereby, you know, there's all this suggestion these days that players have all the power That is true to a certain extent. But we've seen in the past, you know, I think about Manchester United. Ronaldo wanted to leave for a year. They managed to convince him to stay for another season. He was brilliant. Uh, Rooney was agitating for a move. And he said, you know, there have been countless examples in the past, you know, not to mention players that sort of mislead the media into thinking that they're going to leave just to get a bigger contract. Maybe Lautaro's doing a Sergio Ramos. I mean, who knows? Um, But I think hold out for the release fee, um, but also make sure that you've done your homework and got three or four potential targets lined up. Uh, and if you do end up losing him, then make sure you bring in uh, Tonali and whoever the the striker of choice would be um, in terms of that.
0: That's, I, I agree with you in terms of, I think, 111 million euros would help. I mean, given, like you said, Marotta's track record, he buys a lot of shiny new toys. Uh, and Marotta is very good at finding... Shiny new toys that work together, um, and and so I am not too fussed to be honest. I just I just like the fact that Suning are such uh, play hardball, like they do with Man United against with with the Perisic thing. It's our price. They'd rather have him on the bench and send him on loan to Bayern Munich than to give him when they didn't want to sell him to Man United for a discounted price. And I, I like that. That's a statement of intent, and it's it shows power it shows um, it shows uh, yeah power and I, and i like that i really i really really like that right um um i be, I, was, I was i wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, what what you th- i mean there's, a lot has been made about christian Eriksen um, since he joined uh, that you know he he's he needs time to to adapt and now he started to adapt um, i mean what 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 is your thoughts i mean do you, do you think that this 3412 is the way to go or do you think that maybe um, you know, they, Conte can can get Ericsson to play in his three five two as well. W- w- what's your thoughts on that?
3: I think if you play a 3-5-2, it's going to be quite hard to accommodate Ericsson unless you really make sure that he is uh, tactically and defensively disciplined. There's nothing to suggest that he couldn't be, but, you know, you maybe take too much out of his game going the other way admittedly into were at home admittedly it was against the very poor Sampdoria sub when I saw that Sampdoria starting 11 uh, I, I was worried for the blue ched Chiatti I have to say but um, I thought Eriksen was great in that free role and I, th- I think in some ways if you're going to spend 20 million uh, on a player that's six months out from the end of contract then you know you're, you're speculating you're investing a lot of money on that player and you know, I don't ever believe in this phrase about building the team around someone. But I think if you've got good players, put them in their best position and and allow them to, to thrive and operate, you know, where they can do the most damage. Um, it just happens that Kandreva is playing well. And I do think he is playing well. You know, you can question some of his occasional decision making in the final third because he is perfect for a wide role. Um, you know, sort of up and down, up and down the flank in terms of his um, his stamina. So I think Ericsson, between the lines, in a free roll, able to drift and come short and get the ball off Barella, or you know, pick up a little pocket of space. But just such an intelligent play. I mean, how many players? would play that ball back to Lukaku for the for the 1-2 on that opening goal against Sampdoria. You know, it reminds me of the sort of ability that Guti had at Real Madrid, you know, where it seems like he's about to shoot and then there's always just think, yeah, maybe a 9 9 times out of 10 I'll score here, but I know by passing the ball that we're definitely going to score here and I just like that unselfish approach. And I think Eriksen has just looked very good. In those two games that Inter have played since the resumption, I thought he was good in Naples. I thought he was very good against Sampdoria, uh, and I think if he's in the side, play the three-four-one-two. If you're going to rest him, then by all means revert to the three-five-two. But systems, a lot of the time, it just you know you see the shape and the formation of a team when they're out of possession. So you're probably asking Eriksson to tuck in anyway. So three. That's probably just contradicted everything I've just said. But three, four, one, two, three, five, two might, you know, in that sense, become much of a muchness. Um, Brozovic has has been my favourite Inter player for a number of years now, so I'm very keen to see the whole Brozovic Barella eriksen axis from uh, from that perspective because I I think it's very exciting indeed. But uh, a weak Sampdoria team, we have to see against Palma because. Uh, I don't think I've seen a Sampdoria side that week in terms of personnel in a long time. I'm doing them actually away at Roma on on Wednesday and uh, I'm a little bit worried for them there, albeit they'll have played it a game more than than Roma since the resumption. So it's hard to draw too many conclusions. I think we can almost draw more conclusions from the Napoli game because of stronger opposition, albeit that was the first game back for both sides. So I think we won't know much more about Ericsson until another game or two. But certainly on evidence of Inter Sampdoria, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I'm
0: really glad you brought the Brozovic thing up because I, I, I
4: yeah I I, can I
0: yeah go for it go for it
4: yeah I just wanted to uh, yeah follow on question on the Brozovic thing. And, uh, and this isn't, uh, is a, a Gagliardini better than Brozovic question? Because there's no doubt who's, who the better player is. But in terms of roles, do you reckon that the midfield module in the middle, with Eriksen playing in the advanced role and Barella doing his Barella work, is it a better functioning midfield when you have um, like a head down uh, workhorse kind of player like Gagliardini? Or is Brozovic's overall quality a better a better improvement on the module anyway. What do you reckon is a better is a better trio, central trio for the midfield for Inter? Because I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Like you say, it's difficult to judge with, with the Sampdoria game because they're so much weaker than Napoli. But part of me also thinks that maybe we don't need so much creativity in the midfield and we need someone who's a degree or two more physical and, you know, workhorse-like than Brozovic in Gagliardini or, God forbid, Vecino or whoever, you know. In that midfield module,
3: I would always go with Brozovic. um, In that, he covers more ground than anyone else. His tactical awareness is outstanding. He always seems to know where the ball is going to drop. I've seen countless examples where Inter are out of shape going forward, the opposition are about to to break forward, and he either hooks back with a slide challenge or he's able to sniff out where the ball is going to go to, and he gets there. I, I think he's a wonderfully intelligent player. And, you know, that's probably Spalletti's biggest contribution as intercoach was putting him in that deeper role because he was frustrating for years and no one really knew where his best position was. So I would think you would always play Brozovic and I'm not worried about Brozovic in that deep-lying playmaker role. I think Barella has enough about him in terms of his busyness and his energy. Yes, he, he'll, he'll get booked every other game because he still hasn't sort of learnt to tackle. He's a bit sort of... Paul goals. a lot of Manchester United references tonight. We can get away with that with Alexis Sanchez and uh, and Lukaku. I'm coming across as a as a United fan. I'm a Saints fan. That's dreadful. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, I think Brozovic has to play in your strongest team, and I think the other two are also pick themselves. And I think that's good for Inter now. It's it's great when you know that the, those eleven players are comfortably your best team. I think Bastoni, um, you know, apart from the odd. Leggerezza, when he takes his eye off the ball, um, I think he's definitely first choice, along with De Vrij. would be the one I would occasionally ask questions about, but I thought he played well against Samp. Um, But coming back to it, I think Gagliardini, you know, workhorse, as you said, water carrier... It's probably how I would have um, referred to him. You know, no shame in that. Didier Deschamps was a famous uh, water carrier. Sorry, I've just I've just named the Juventus former Juventus player. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I think Gagliardini is exactly the sort of player that you can play against Sampdoria, that you can play against Spau. Um He's just the sort of player that you want to pick against a lesser side. You know, he'll come in and he'll do a job. Do you want him playing in the Derby d'Italia? I don't think you do, to be honest. Um, and it brings me back to when I was preparing for the Coppa Italia final, I was looking at the games that Buffon had played in the league. And I think only <laughs> one of them only one of them was in against the top 10 side. You know, so Buffon might have had four or five clean sheets in the league, but it's because Juventus are playing Spal. Again, I'll come back to them at home or, or whoever it may be. Uh, and I think Gagliardini is exactly that sort of player. You keep him in the squad. You know he's going to do a good job as and when he comes in. He's He's always going to play... 10 to 15 league games a season because there'll be injuries and suspensions or you want to rest him. Um, but I would never I would never pick him above Brozovic, even at the risk of being slightly more attacking than defensive, because I think Brozovic just offers so much when in possession.
0: But that's, um, um, what I wanted to say was, I mean, I read what, I think it was Marco Barzaghi, or was it Matteo Barzaghi, I think it was Marco Barzaghi, who said something about, maybe Inter is better without Brozovic uh, when they have Eriksson because Ericsson offers so much more. And when you have Barella uh, or Gagliardini, you have Barella or Sensi or you have Barella or maybe Tonali, maybe someone like a a, a traditional uh, regista is not needed the same way that Brozovic is. Um, What what are your thoughts on that?
3: I mean, that's certainly one way of looking at it. I think you'd need a bit more, you'd need a a larger sample size to really... uh, to really be able to ascertain whether or not there's there's any truth in that, um, I think it would be very hard on the basis of what we've seen over the last three or four seasons to, uh, well certainly last two and a half seasons to leave out um, Brozovic uh, on the basis that tactically he doesn't he doesn't quite fit. Barella's been very good and proven a really astute signing. And I was I wasn't a hundred percent sold on here. I liked him at Cagliari, but I didn't know whether he'd be able to make the step up and. You know, he got a lot of yellow cards and I think he only scored one goal last season, whereas he's he's added that goal threat to his game as well. I think if you do want to have a pure defensive midfielder, if you're a size the club if you're a club the size of Inters, then it can't be Gagliardini. It has to be someone like engolo Conte or you know, whoever it may be, it has to be a player of that type that is just there screening and winning the ball back and then playing it simple, um, but just offers a bit more than Gagliardini, because you know he's constantly trying to hit that fifty-yard Hollywood ball and he overhits it by ten every time, straight into the stands. And I can't imagine can imagine Conte giving him quite short shrift with that. But Galliardini is exactly the sort of player that Conte can get the best out of. So I would think if let's let's see if Inter play all three again, you know if. I mean, we're assuming that that Brozovic um, will be will be there every time there's there's a big game, um, and as and when Brozovic plays alongside Barella and Eriksen, if things don't start to, if things start to break down, then you can start to pinpoint right is who's doing what wrong. Is Conte struggling to make them fit? You know, surely the ability of a great coach is to be able to get those three very good players. Uh, and get them to, to fit together and work together. And um, But Galliardini does offer that. He's someone you know exactly where he will be. He's tactically disciplined. He'll keep his shape from that perspective. So maybe the sort of player that you want to bring on if you've got a lead and you want to hold on to it, as opposed to starting a game that you need to, you know, Inter need to be gung-ho now. They need to be attacking teams. They need to try and do, dare I say it, what Atalanta are doing. Um, and score very quickly against teams, get matches won, and then rest up. Because if you're doing that, then you can completely negate the, the very busy. Well, not completely, but you can
0: certainly um, mitigate for the uh, for the busy fixture list. For sure, that's that's a, that's, that's a great that's a great point. Um, so I wanted to uh, before we let you go, I'd like to. If you if, uh, are you still doing your YouTube channel, I thought I'd give you some space to plug your stuff coming up because i really I like am. It. i yeah. am but thank you for
3: mentioning it yeah it started as a sort of um lockdown endeavor to keep me sane um because my work sort of dried up from uh, from one day to the next oh woe is me i'm a freelancer so I've, I've been reading a lot of that on social media recently so i won't contribute to that thankfully work <laughs> has, uh, has resumed but um yeah I, I quite enjoyed it i love the sound of my own voice in case you couldn't tell so uh, it's been quite nice to give myself a forum to, uh, to talk about what I want to do. Now, it was a way of me staying sharp, having not done some on camera work for a while. Uh, and it was my birthday last week, and someone bought me a, uh, a selfie stick which doubles up into a tripod. So I've now got a two camera setup which I've been experimenting with all afternoon. The irony is, uh, I spent all afternoon with that, and the editing has become too complex. And so now it's actually ironically hindered my video making as opposed to, to helping it. But uh, yes, yeah, subscribe, Patrick Kendrick on YouTube. Let's go from one six five subscribers to one six seven, and it will definitely uh, have, been, have been worthwhile. But uh, no, I to, nice s- to talk about um, inter guys. Yeah, I but, have to
0: say, I have to say, your 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 test you did about transcribing Conta's famous. Uh, uh, was, was it when he was at Siena? Was it Siena he was? When he Siena, lost yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, that, it was. That really made me laugh. And also I really enjoyed the, um, the, the top uh, club anthem ones.
3: Ah, uh, yes. Well, yeah, no, there was, there's a little bit of Italian football content in there. I need to, uh, I need to stick with that, but I've I've sort of been staying along the lines of, of interpreting and commenting for the moment, the former in particular, because a lot of my, uh, traction on on linkedin has come from that but yeah i'd be quite i'd be quite up for doing a, a remake of the of the rants (laughs) <laughs> um, the problem is Malizani, that's that's almost, I think I know it word for word. It's a bit like Forrest Gump, you know, I could probably quote it <laughs> line for line. So I'm going to have to find something. Maybe I'll try that one with Gattuso when he was in Crete or
2: whatever it was. And uh, Malizani like, had a few, didn't he? You can just try. He's got that's a true. References. And there's you're also. And the, um, the one in general where he said the word Molo about 3,000 times. Well, yeah. And,
3: and Molo was in Greece as well. It seems to be a, a favourite. <laughs> <if> it's
2: <laughs> his catchphrase.
3: Yeah. And quite a tricky one as well to translate, Will. Do you know what I mean? Straight it's off. not a
2: word, is it? But,
3: yeah. Well, exactly. Well, that's <laughs> not in that context, anyway. You know. Absolutely. And uh, oh, and then there's that Spalletti one in Russia in the uh, in the mix well, <laughs> which is always enjoyable. But uh, so there you go. Yeah. No, there's there's. I think Stramachoni might have had one as well. In fact, I'm trying to get hold of uh, of Strama because he is um, Mr. And Nima knows this as well. He is Mr. Coach I've worked alongside an interpreter par excellence, and he sort of re-ba- rebranded himself as an English-speaking coach that will go to any outpost, Iran notwithstanding, um, and uh, and have an interpreter alongside him. So I'd really like to get his thoughts on what it's like to be a coach and work alongside an interpreter, because uh, I uh, I didn't run into Frank de Boer again, even though I went to Atlanta <laughs> last year, and unfortunately he was away on pre-season training, but uh, otherwise I'd have in, enjoyed a, a reunion with me old mucker. But <laughs> I'll let you guys uh, crack on there. This has been another fully professional display for me. So <laughs> thank God
0: this, this isn't going out anywhere. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We, we're just keeping it here. No, but thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, it's at Patrick Kendrick, if I'm not mistaken. With one K in the middle. Yeah, I think yes. Patrick Kendrick with two Ks was
3: taken. So it's like Patrick Endrick. Ah, okay. So,
0: yeah. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. It's My always a pleasure. pleasure. Cheers, gentlemen. We'll Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Right, that was uh, that was the Patrick Hendrick, and he'll be commentating Inter Parma or Parma Inter this weekend. Uh, as he as he said, I'm going to be looking forward to that. Um, I I honestly think that he his his voice is absolutely not too shabby either. Um, uh, it, obviously, Alex Alex does everyone to shame. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, but it was, it's always good fun having on, but I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the Sampdoria game. Cause I don't understand how the hell, Inter were suffering in the second half after that first half and this is this is what drives me crazy and, and I still think that this is not one time this is like this is a repeated problem with Inter that under Conte notwithstanding because uh, I thought this was something that Conte was going to stamp out this isn't something that started with him but it is definitely something that is is, is an issue and it has been for a better part of a decade and that is this 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 notion that inter can't finish games off and it's become like a self-fulfilling prophecy i don't know how much how part you know where, where where the psychological effects of this begin be you know begins and and when or where it ends and the actual whether it's contest training regime that that, that causes that their ener- energy levels are exhausted where that starts um i, I honestly don't know and i want to and i want to created a little discussion here. I want to hear your thoughts about it. I want to start with you, Alex. Where where are you on this? And then I'll hand over to Mo and Will. Uh,
1: It's certainly both but I think it's, to me, it looks more mental than physical. Uh, I, I'm sure that the physicality, the training regimen, the way Conte demands his players to go, you know, 100 miles per hour at all times, I'm sure it does affect them physically. But the reason why I say it looks more mental to me is that it's not just the Samp match. Uh, we've seen it, I think, a handful of times. I mean, Nima, you mentioned when you were talking with Patrick about, uh, you know, second halves against, uh, against Barca and against Borussia Dortmund. You know, we, we've seen Inter change kind of their their form in enough second halves to notice this. And because to me, uh, they obviously early in the second half, they had a great chance to really put the game away, take the 3-0 lead. You know, Erickson dish just dished a beautiful pass to Lukaku in the box. And, you know, he didn't really look ready for it. He put it well, well wide uh, to the right. And then once Somp scored and they made it 2-1, that to me is the exact moment that Inter started to look, just disorganized, underwhelming. And that was when I really saw like a, a switch was flipped, which makes me think it's more mental than it is just physical. And it's really frustrating, right? I mean, you you can't take the Paza out of Patsy Inter. And I, I really and, and I know Conte has said this, so I'm not reinventing the wheel here with this theory. I think a part of it is experience, you know, not, not to say that every player uh, on the club has been around for 10 years, but when you have a club that, you know, hasn't really won anything in, in 10 years, um, I think that's part of the reason why they don't have the type of experience that a Juventus has to close out games, even when they're playing poorly. Inter tends to do the opposite. They find a way to grab defeat from the jaws of victory, and and they did win this game. I know that I sound as if I'm I'm depressed. It it was three points and a victory, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. But we we, we saw how close they came to throwing this game uh, out the window. And I, I don't know, to me, I, I think that w- once this club shows they can win a trophy and, and can, you know, get some really important result, I think you might see this mentality get thrown out the window. So I don't really blame it as much on, on Conte and his and his physical demands. I probably blame it a little bit more on being the attitude that these players have carried with them even pre-Conte.
0: Oh, that, that's that's a good point um will where are you on this well it's clearly both isn't it that's the cop out answer but there are clearly
2: elements of both uh, my impression from this season has been that it's been more physical than mental um, purely because there's it's been there've just been so many first halves that have been followed uh, with second halves um, which have not been of the same standard uh, regardless really of the scoreline you know i remember uh, the, the the very last match before this uh, this lockdown began at, against uh, against Juventus, Inter were very much in the game uh, at half time and and never really turned up in the second half, and that wasn't a, about a, you know letting a lead slip or having something to hold on to. That was just uh, a, 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 an inability to keep their foot on the accelerator. Um, and I so you know it's there's there's no easy answer to it, but um, I think it's probably it's probably both. I hope. That uh, I hope it's more physical than mental because if it's still a mental problem after after what is it now ten years, then and if Conte can't resolve it, then uh, it's going to be very difficult to solve that going forward. But, but, but this is clearly—I mean, you asked Patrick earlier whether this is a problem or not. It's definitely a problem. I mean, Inter have lost thirteen points from winning positions this season, which is quite a lot for a team that's trying to win the league. Um, and you know, some of the some of the statistics in the first half were were mind-boggling you know I, I I looked I was watching the game and there d- 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 was about half an hour gone and I was thinking I don't think Samp have even got it, made it into Inter's box yet and then at that moment a, a stat flashed up that said that Inter had, had 81% of possession and that's not after you know 10 minutes that's 30 minutes of football at half time the passes and there's another stat I saw 347 for Inter against 96 for Samp uh, which is what almost four times as many um, so so to not put that game away is really, really pitiful. I mean, Samp never made Handanovic make a save. They never actually looked like they were going to score. But the fact is, nobody felt comfortable. I don't think the players were comfortably seeing that out. I don't think it was sort of, you know, just you on it as the Italians like to say. It was just muddling through and hoping that there was going to be, you know, no nasty surprises from, from a set piece. And when you're playing a team that's as poor as that, you shouldn't really be in the position where you're hoping to get away with it. Uh, and that's why, despite the brilliant hour, the, well, not hour, the brilliant 51 minutes until Sam got that corner, it was probably some of the best football we've seen all season. You know, if you if you do take the, the opponent out of it, which obviously is not is difficult, that's why I actually left this match less confident about our Scudetto chances than I was beforehand. Um, because if, if that game becomes difficult after you've completely dominated it, from top to bottom. Then, when are you going to get an easy win with all these games coming thick and fast? Um, so, I I find it difficult to, to really envisage a scenario in which this league can be won by Inter. But which is why I asked the question I asked earlier about whether um, whether numerically it was possible. But to go back to the initial question, I felt it was more physical than mental. Um, and I think the only re- re- the only reason, the only way, sorry, you can get around that is with quality. Um, because that's when you need your players who are good on the ball and who know what to do at all at all times, which is why I would always pick Brozovic ahead of Gagliardini, for instance, to tie it back into the debate we had earlier. Inter's problem over the last few years is they haven't had enough good players, if you want to put it, you know, in sort of uh, plain English. So that's the that's the way to get around it, because I don't think Conte is suddenly going to start um, changing the way he plays. He, he is a He's uh, he's a um, his his teams are like marching bands. They're not orchestras. You know they are they are about rhythm and, and over overpowering opponents. So you've just got to find players that can that can cope when you're not able to do that for ninety minutes.
0: Mo, well, what do you what do you say? Because we got like we got two two two. I mean Alex says it's a it's a bit of both, or maybe a little bit more mental. Alex is I say Will is a little bit more on the physical side. Where are you?
4: Um, I'll start by saying I don't think it's as big of a problem as it's made out to be. Um, I think it uh, it might have been a big problem earlier um, in that uh, nasty uh, mid-year spell, Um, but at the moment, like honestly, I've I've watched. I mean, I'm sure we've all watched a lot of games. No one looks. No team has looked as good as Inter has for any moment, uh, for any extended period of time. In the Premier League and the, the Liga, I haven't seen any Bundesliga, but uh, it's it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. If we acknowledge that there is a problem, albeit not a very big problem, I would imagine seeing that there's been a lot of clearance within the side, and whoever has remained has been, you know, uh, has has bought into Conte's philosophy, and and I I, I would reckon that it's a physical thing. Um, it's not a mental thing. I, I I was disappointed at the goal yesterday, but having watched the entire second half, it that shot outside the from outside the box was a bit of a, a, a scare. But it was it was very very it was very wide. It was it was a shot you're, you're expected to have a, your opponent take a shot or two against you all through at some point in time during the game. It wasn't it wasn't like before. it's different. I think we're, I think there's an issue here that we're conflating our feelings about previous versions of inter um, and and you know, superimposing them onto this team. And I don't think it's that. the the previous inters, spalletti's inters in particular, spalletti's inter, uh, Mancini's inter, these inters would 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 have their knees rattling, would be would be doing poor decision making. It was. But it wasn't. It wasn't any of that yesterday. For, for me, at least, in my opinion, there, there was some poor decision making from from Moses when he couldn't pick out, you know, Alexis as he was running uh, uh, completely unmarked uh, on the on the far side, on the, the left hand side. There there was some poor decision making, but it wasn't hapless uh, loss of possession in the midfield. It wasn't, you know, deer in headlights whenever they get the ball. Every single player tries to get rid of the ball because they just can't handle the pressure. It seemed it just seemed that the guys were tired and, and, and they weren't managing the match physically as, as they had in the first half. And I, I think, to Will's point, I think quality is, of course, the, the antidote to that. Quality through the 90 minutes and and, and quality in output is just as important, you know, quality in physical output is just as important as quality in technical output. So uh, So the squad needs to be looked at. And also, I imagine... You know, uh, having Brozovic and Sensi out injured is is a thing. It's it's a, it's a thing. You have two of your best creative midfielders out injured, and you're trying to hold on to the ball, and your only option is Valero. Valero is slow. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. But the 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 doomsday. Uh, like, my, my Twitter feed felt like I I thought we had just you know. Squandered a two-goal lead, and we we're like trailing four-two now at home against Sampdoria. I know what you mean. But we weren't.
1: Oh, you're so right we, about that. We,
4: we, we, we weren't. We weren't. <laughs> we we won the it's game. Really uh, we won the game quite ably. Uh, the the overall match. I mean, we'll talk about around eighty uh, percent at the end of the first half in terms of uh, possession. the 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 final the final uh, match uh, stats is seventy-two percent possession for Inter. So even in the second half, we dominated possession by miles, shots on target, the whole thing. It's unfortunate, it really is sad that uh, a, a, a momentary lapse leads to uh, a, a very, uh, pfft, I don't know, a meaningless, pointless, un- completely unnecessary goal to get scored against you. And it's also extremely frustrating that given the number of chances, especially in the first half that have been generated, and in the second half, of course, I mean, you know, Alexis alone uh, was quite profligate. Uh, it, it is annoying that it wasn't a 4-1 or a 4-0 Uh, end result but at the end of the day it was three points ably comfortably and uh and deservedly won after the 90 minutes and i'll take that any day
0: i mean for me i think you're you're you all make valid points and for me this is this is where i kind of I look at it like this. I think it's safe. I think you're absolutely right, Mo, that we're projecting previous horrors and, and, and stuff like that onto this inter and I think you're absolutely spot on there. But I do think that what Will is saying is also true. This is a physical issue. I don't know if it's a quality problem. I think it's got to do with Conte and his way of he cannot adapt into not going one hundred and ten percent at all times. Yes. Yeah. And and, and, and that is him. where that's just who he is, and and, and, and you know th- th- this is exactly ties back to why I didn't want him in the first place because I don't think that you can you know it, like when we had Minarizuki on she said, well if you're gonna play like that it'll take a village you'll need a village of you don't need a squad you need a village of players and nobody can do that nobody can have 40, 50 players, uh, in, in a squad to to, to play and and that, that's, that, that's you know so so I think that what happens is that it's um it becomes it's a it's a physical issue. That, that that this is caused by a physical issue, and that lead that can lead to a mental l- lapse as well because it, it becomes a self profi- fulfilling prophecy that they are so t- that they reach a point after sixty minutes where they're so exhausted that a momentary lapse leads to a goal completely undeserved, like yesterday against Sampdoria. Now, obviously Inter have won uh, won yesterday and that's great, but I think that's more down to Sampdoria not being really good. And, and that and what Will said, well, if, if we can't win this 3-4-0 uncomfortably, when are we going to win 3-4-0 comfortably? Now, obviously, that's a rhetorical question. And we'll, you know, Sassuola and Parma and all the games coming up will we'll, we'll answer that question for us. But this is, this is where I'm a little bit worried. And I think that this is something that where you could have an entire group of new players become almost harmed. By you could create new psychological traumas if this continues to happen. Like Will said, thirteen points lost for a team that's in the top—that's that's quite a lot. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, you know, when you're when you're when you're in the lead, and especially in the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund, two 0 up, close the game off. Can't do it. You know, it, it, this is this is what I mean, and and I'm I'm just I'm just worried that if this keeps happening. This could lead to 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 another situation of damaged goods, uh, where you have to have someone come in and say, you know, what we can't, I can't work with them. These guys are damaged. We need to have an overhaul, pretty much like Milan have done seven times in the past three years. You know what I mean? And, and I don't, and and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but you know what I mean. Like this is the broader point I'm trying to make. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But we do play Sassuolo this uh, this Wednesday, and then Padma away on Sunday, and. It's you know, they are awful. Sasuolo are awful. Uh, the way that uh, Atalanta completely destroyed them, um, is is is. I mean, I saw that game, and Atalanta are good and they score four goals. That was the seventh time in the Serie A this season they've scored more than four, they scored four goals or more, which is insane, um, in and of itself. But but I mean, typically, you know, if Inter played the way they did against Sampdoria against Sasuolo, they should also. Be four five nil up, but I don't. But but you know you don't know. You, we really don't know because, again, against some by all rights the Sampdoria game should have been over after forty five minutes too, and it wasn't. And 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 I'm 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 not gonna say I'm worried because it's it's but but it, I just have this. If, if recent events are anything to go by, Sassuolo always overperformed. Concili in their goal always pulls up. Is he channels his inner Leviashin. Jeremy Boga. Is is a player that will cause issues in the Serie because of the characteristics he has. I'm I'm not, I'm more worried about this game than I am the Parma game. The Parma game I'm not worried about at all. Um, I think Inter will win that pretty comfortably because Parma are a team that Inter the Inter and, and Conte can easily maneuver out. But the Sassuolo game is a bit of a more bogey team for me. What do you think, Will? Do you agree?
2: Yes, yes, I agree completely. Um, Sassuolo is is the game that I'm. Uh, more slightly nervous about, um, if if only because of the truly extraordinary, uh, almost unbelievable record that Inter have against Sassuolo in the last three or four years. Um, I think there's been uh, one win in the last seven or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's not too far away from that, whatever it is. Um, so yes, that that's, um, that's a little nasty surprise in waiting. 6.30 as well, or 7.30 of an earlier game um, so, the game that doesn't really s- sort of stand out on the calendar, everyone just thinks, "Oh, we'll Inter will win that, and then we'll then we can watch the big game later on, which is obviously Atalanta Lazio." So it's got that kind of um, banana skin feel to it as well. I don't like Sassuolo. I don't think any Inter fan should like Sassuolo. They've caused too much stress and angst over the last four or five years. Um, so I-, I can't be comfortable with that match. It's also it's less than seventy-two hours after the match that we're talking about. So. Uh, if the problem is that you can only play like that for 60 minutes with having had a week beforehand to rest, then what's going to happen when you've got even less time and you don't have the rotation in the field with Brozovic out with Sensi out? So, uh, uh, you know, this is um, this is a trap game. I don't know if the Palmer game will be comfortable, but if I'm going to pick the one that I'm more concerned about, uh, it's definitely this one. Not least because, as you said, Sassuolo were, were taken apart by Atalanta uh, on Sunday. They, they, they were very good in the first 15 minutes or so they could easily have been two or three nil up themselves but after that didn't happen they then uh disappeared from the pitch um so my my, tr- my translation there is that they are therefore ready and they will be fired up to prepare to, to be they'll be fired up to play their next opponents and it just so happens that we are their next opponents <laughs> so isn't that nice
0: <laughs> isn't that lovely um uh, mo what are your thoughts going into Sassuolo and parma Do you agree? Do you share the worries that uh, Will and I have, or or where are you? Look,
4: uh, as as Will just said, any uh, any God fearing uh, Inter fan uh, will uh, will never be comfortable ahead of a Sassuolo game. Uh, It's just it's one of those things. Uh, And like you said, Consigli just uh, becomes a man possessed, and it's very frustrating. Um, That said, though, um, I, I, I do I do believe in the Conte project, and in that uh, the Conte project, you know, Patrick earlier spoke about DNA and Pazza Inter, we'll we'll always be Pazza Inter, but there there is a way that this side, this season has uh, has dealt with the weaker uh, provincial teams, Um, and it's been a more methodical, systematic manner. It's been, uh, you know, it's been, I think, boring at times, but it's been effective. I think this is the way this match is going to be approached. I, I don't think uh, Conte is going to buy into the old uh, Sasuolo voodoo uh, jinxy thing. He's not a man who who, who uh, uh, you know entertains these notions at all. So I, I just yeah I, I agree that uh, it's got all the makings of uh, banana skin game, but I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a, a an ugly win, uh, but a win, an important win. And I think uh, hopefully so will the Parma game as well. I think uh, uh, very important six points here, especially with the, in light of uh, that uh, Lazio and Atalanta match, and hopefully what goes on with uh, Mihailovic, his uh, you know his uh, premonition and his uh, vow to uh, take points off of Juventus tonight as we record uh, how that pans out. But uh, we'll see. I think I think these are going to be extremely important six points that. Uh, work very, very importantly in 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 the
2: project's favor. Mm. I should just say I, that there was one thing I meant. To, sorry, there there's one thing I meant was I meant to say when I was talking about Sassuolo before. The fir- the reverse fixture was exactly what we were talking about in terms of having a physical drop because you remember yep. we did score four goals in that match. It was four one and it was finished. And then suddenly it wasn't finished. It was four three and we were almost we were all preparing to tear our hair out. And I don't think that was a mental drop off. I think the Inter had just stopped playing. Because mm. they were conserving their energy and suddenly Boga did his thing and uh, and suddenly we were all we were all terrified again. So, um, I mean, I suppose you can fit that to whatever theory you already had about physical or mental problems. But uh, I just wanted to
1: share with you that I hated the first match because I'm sure you all did as well.
0: <laughs> Alex, where,
1: where are you? Uh, That was well said by everyone. I I wish I shared all of Mo's optimism, uh, but I I tend to agree more with Will's assessment. Um, Yeah, these next two games should be six points. It should be two victories, but we know with Inter it's often not that easy. Uh, I I don't (laughs) think they lose either of these games, but I also don't think they win both of these games. I think they'll draw one of them and yeah, it's it's more likely to be Sassuolo for the letdown, I think, than Padma. Even though I did take some comfort in watching watching uh, Sassuolo against Atalanta, that they look especially shaky at the back, do Sassuolo. So I think Inter is going to score uh, certainly at least once or twice in this game. It's not going to be a clean sheet by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I I very I know it was a long long time ago, but that first. Fixture against Sassuolo is still very fresh in my memory. Inter had what should have been a very comfortable four to one lead, but it turned into a four to three heart attack uh, type of game down the stretch. You know, just uh, with the physical demands that this schedule is creating, I I just think we're we're in store. I think for a disappointing result here and there, and we just have to hope that Juventus and Lazio also have uh, a few of those, and they they need to have a couple more of those than Inter do, obviously. Down the stretch, but um, yeah, I just uh, I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they come away with two victories. It would have to be, I think, two ugly victories because I, I don't see them, you know, taking comfortable four nils out of either of these, but yeah, I, I think that Sassuolo, just given the history, and, and I know, Nima, it's like you say, uh, and Mo, I shouldn't be living with the past trauma of Inter, but it, it's hard to it's hard to really shake some of that lack of confidence I have. So, yeah, if you're going to make my predictions official, I, I think they probably draw with Sassuolo and then beat Parma at the weekend.
0: Mm, that's where I am as well. Uh, speaking of that, um, speaking of Juve the, and, and, and what they're going to do, uh Guess what? Cristiano Ronaldo scored on a penalty, but it was a, it was actually was <laughs> a penalty. <laughs> no, it actually was a penalty. I I, I De Ligt was
2: I think in soon to be out of date
0: football news. <laughs> no, but no, but like I mean, it's like no, I know, but I just I mean to me that's if you do that to another human being, I think you get like six months in prison, let alone a penalty called against you. So so let's 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 not. <laughs> go full on like that. But anyway, um, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute River the Pisato and uh, criticize someone or something in the world of hev- uh, football heavily, starting with the uh, comical part of things, this week's frog, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckham.
3: Yeah,
0: this week's
2: frog, I suppose, could also be dressed up as a modu, but I think because it was more of a face-palm moment than a kind of genuine uh, anger slash outrage moment. I think it's I think it's okay to class it as a frog. So I'm giving it to Torino's social media manager um, because <laughs> on <a> Saturday <laughs> evening they were the first oh, team dear. in action for uh, the the return of Serie A against Parma. They uh, they also scored the first goal of the of the, uh, the post-lockdown era with um, Nkulu. Uh, who scored. And afterwards, he obviously took the knee, as, uh, as footballers around Europe have been doing over the last few days, to uh, to express their solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, this was this is obviously a very easy opportunity to tweet a picture and um, and show your solidarity as a club and, and set a good example for all your fans. But unfortunately, Torino's picture had a big problem with it, uh, which was that as Nkula was <laughs> taking the knee, uh, the the notoriously white Andrea Bellotti was stood up <laughs> in front of him. It so looks so bad. What actually came out was a sort of what, what almost looks like a tribute to the 17th century um, yeah. and an era, you know, sort of a, a, an era where slavery was all the rife. And unfortunately, this picture ended up on two of Italy's main three sports papers yeah. the day after. You know, it's not that surely that. Just just
0: crop Bellotti out. It's not well, that, that think, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking. He was so far away, it would yeah. have been so. It wasn't easy blocking, to crop, was he? No, yeah. it was easy to crop out, and it was. It's like I mean, let's be honest. Romelo Lukaku's wording of his tweet was not very intelligent either. Um, We know what he meant, but seriously, did you did you all did you all read it? Did you all see what he said? Uh, I can read. No, it I didn't. he, uh, he's, he said. Yeah, he says that this one is for all the people who, who are fighting for injustice. <laughs> I'm with oh. you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we know what he means, but it's just but I mean if if we're talking frogs this yeah. this week, I I mean for me it's Juan Jesus and Roma. I don't know if you follow this story, but it is hilarious. Basically Roma have been have been doing this thing where they've counted down by a number representing a, the the shirt number of a of a of a player, uh, and when it came to number five, instead of putting Juan Jesus, like because I mean nine was Jack or whatever, number five was Juan Jesus, and they didn't put a picture of him. They put a picture of the entire team, and he comments on this on Instagram and says, "Look, they won't even show my picture when, uh, when it's my turn, or something like that." Something really childish and cringy, um, which which. It's obviously the Roma fans who are... We've had Juan Cruz, so we know...
2: (laughs) We know what it feels like... We know what it feels like... To support a team that contains sponges. Yes, Yes.
0: so I mean, so obviously they react (laughs) the only way they know how and say, you know, please leave. Our club's finances are horrible. And then he replies, and this is a quote, do you think that my my three or my five bits of cash?" My five bits of cash will save the club's economy. Have you not had? Have you not had a class? Have you not been educated in mathematics? And it just goes on and on and on and on. Periods from there, and oh he's, having, he's having these back and forth with fans. Uh, it is. It, it's. It's. You know. No wonder that he was Ranocchio's, You know, the the frogs' friend friend in that froggy central defense with Vidic. Um, I mean, this was this was such an epic. Epic failure, uh, all of it, and now he's been back. He's been bur- he's been um, fined and and all of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Roma it's... have also
2: suspended our favourite sporting director Gianluca Petracchi this week. That was another potential fraud because you may remember that last summer oh. he was being he was being the hard man in the Jekyll negotiations. He was sitting uh, in in Roma's. Media room saying that Inter are silly. You know they've got to pay up and they've got to start taking our players seriously. And oh, I'm going to punch you and etc. and so on. And now he's been suspended. So yeah. his his decline has been very swift and um,
0: um, is all got to say.
2: Unceremonious. About well, yeah, it's because, not all his fault, is it? But it's still,
0: Palotta. Palotta <laughs> is really running that club to the ground. Right. Let's let's move on to something uh, much more negative this week's Moji which is represented by Mr. Alex Donald.
1: You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about this one, guys. And to put it simply, this week's Moji is the year 2020. It just it, it was hard for me <laughs> in in light of what's been happening in the world. It was just very hard for me this week to single out any individual or any club. And I wanted to go this week with the year 2020 since we we've now finally cleared the hurdle in the last couple of days of Syria are returning, and you know the, certainly in, in in many countries, maybe excluding the one I live in, we're we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, with this you know worldwide pandemic that has made made so many ill has you know cost us an unfortunate amount of lives and has created a lot of challenges you know with people's finances and economies. It's just you know I, I've I've been around for a, a measly thirty five years, but this is something that is certainly the likes of this has never happened in my lifetime. And you have to go back about a century, you know, to, to find anyone who's been equipped to deal with something like this. So it's just, it's really been a tough few months and, and, it's been a strange start to the year. So I, I'm just hoping, guys, that we can we can get through what's been a modgy of a year so far in 2020 and and finish it out with a full Serie A campaign. We can see all the fixtures. And of course, in the bigger picture, I know that football really pales in, into comparison in what's been going on. I, I certainly hope that North America and, and South America, which are, are not in the best shape right now, can can get through this. But it's just in thinking about it, I've been thinking about this all day, it, it was just tough for me to sing out any one person as we usually do with a emoji because this has been just such a tough year for so many of us out there, guys.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, 2020 can, can really do one. Right, um, let's uh, move on to something much more uh, positive uh, this week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mohammed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprised people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, call it this.
4: Surprise! Uh, I'm also uh, going to uh, want to uh, uh, air uh, some grievances about a Moji of my own uh, after I do the Marathi. My Murati this week has uh, honestly uh, been—we've uh, seen a lot of uh, pretty lame uh, in-stadium activations all across uh, Europe uh, to try and, uh, you know, fill in the the, the crowd, etc. I have to say the artificial crowd noise in the Premier League has been fantastic, uh, uh, on, on, on game, etc. But uh, all those fake crowds in the Liga and uh, the, the, the banners or the posters, the rollouts that they put over the, the, the tribuna in um, the Premiership have just not been very good and not been very nice. So I'm going giving a shout out to inter's campaign of uh, sending your own selfie and the projected uh, during the match uh, in the, the stadium. I think it's a very nice gesture to get the fans uh, involved. I don't think it uh, it affected the overall uh, uh, look it didn't at all simulate the, the, the presence of a crowd uh, at all, but I think it was a very nice gesture to get the fans uh, participating in, in in the match day proceedings in a way. So I, I'm shouting that out. Um, uh, very, very, uh, in my opinion, at least, very nice little gesture. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of uh, emoji for uh, uh, my, my uh, if if I may, uh, Alex, just uh, uh, zoom in on a particular grievance of that course. I have uh, in this uh, in this shit show of of uh, year so far. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> been uh, the Syria bro- broadcaster uh, in the Middle East. Uh, uh being be uh being uh being being
0: yeah be in sports
4: yeah um <clears throat> being sports uh, who, uh, is, uh owned by the qatari state and uh, because of a political uh, uh disagreement between their neighbors uh the uae and the saudi arabia they've been put under blockade by these countries blah 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 they don't like each other <laughs> you know cut to uh saudi arabia because uh they don't broadcast BN in, in, in Saudi have decided to create the channel, a pirate channel called Be Out Q, <laughs> Be <laughs> Out Qatar, uh, which basically takes the entire stream of BN, <laughs> BN and, and broadcasts it, I think, for free. If not if not for free, then, of course, for a fraction of the cost inside Saudi. But that's their own problem. You know, this is a problem between the two of them to, to, uh, to, to sort out. Uh, Qatar has been very adamant to bring in all the various leagues around the world, the World Cycling League, the French uh, Alpine Skiing Association, <laughs> blah blah blah. You know, they've been really inundating us with all these letters by all these various federations around the world who condemn the Saudi actions of their pi- piracy and whatever, and they want to take the, the issue up to the International Court of Justice. It's their fight. It's not my problem. It's their fight. That's I have no, I have no. Opinion on the matter. I just want to watch football. Yeah. So uh, the the problem comes to the head when, uh, when Qatar uh, gets upset at uh, the Lega Calcio for A, not condemning B, out Q, and Saudi strongly enough, and then uh, A, and then B, hosting the Supercoppa in Saudi Arabia this year. Uh, is, this decided, is this actually happening?
0: Is this actually happening? No, 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 no. It? Look,
4: this is... This is this is, this is all, this is, uh, you know, I could go on for hours and hours and embellish, but this is, this is the <laughs> cliff notes, you know, this is the, the dry, uh, <laughs> yeah, <no>. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jesus, so, for no. no. me, finally, finally, getting excited about watching some Cydia, some Inter, finally, I uh, I opened my BN subscription and there there's no, there's no Inter, there's no, there's no match. What's what's going on? What's going on? No announcement, but apparently they made an announcement today. Uh, sub- subsequently, uh, all all paying fans, you know, who paid uh, close to four hundred dollars annually for their subscription, I don't know how many millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people all across uh, the Middle East, uh, uh, Qatar has decided because uh, the Liga culture has not condemned the actions of Saudi Arabia and B R Q sufficiently, uh, they've decided to suspend broadcast of the Syria. All across the Middle East, regardless of what what subscription you paid for so far. Oh, so God. uh <laughs> My God. I, you know, I've had to resort to whatever streaming methods, you know, Bob you know uh, with uh, with uh, with, a, with a stream that uh yeah. yeah. So I've heard so some yeah.
0: people complain that they can't watch it and I, I didn't I didn't know it was this bad. This is yeah, no, yeah. No, no, the world.
4: No Syria, all across the Middle East. No, no official Syria, at least all across the Middle East.
0: Uh, the petulance of governments turning into five-year-old kindergarten children is like—it's embarrassing. embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. Just, just can like uh, whatever happened to behaving like an adult? You know, like
4: <laughs> or respecting a contractual obligation that you've entered with your customer, who's paid for a year and a year subscription yeah. in advance. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is uh, this lack of consumer protection is oh, just uh,
0: unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I had no idea about that. Yeah, that, Anyway, that, that, so sorry that, about
4: that, guys. Uh, long rant, but it's a very dear uh, <laughs> an issue that's very near and dear to my heart.
0: No, but you're right. I mean, a lot of people. Have, I mean, a lot of people live in the Middle East and and li- and, and watch. Uh, I, I know that listen to the show and and live there, and so I think I think it's good that you brought this up. This is embarrassing. Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, well, that's all we have time for. I'd like to thank Patrick Kendrick and I'd like to thank you, Mo. And I hope to God this 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 sorts itself out, because, I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, well. Thanks for coming on. And as always, um, Mr. Alex Donald, good to have you back.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you all so much. Uh,
0: Mr. William Beckman. Thank you, Nima. We
2: should just um, spend a word or two for Mario Corso before we leave, because he yes, lost one sure. of their most yeah. uh, legendary players. Uh, this week um, who obviously died uh, a few days ago so uh, I hope that uh, well we send all our condolences to his family and of course actually today is as we record today is a month exactly since we also lost Gigi Simone so we could tie those two together and uh,
0: absolutely um,
2: send our best wishes to them in the sky
0: Absolutely. And Mario Corsa, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to meet him and interview him. And he's one of the one of the loveliest men, one of the loveliest human beings, one of the loveliest, one of the most honest and brutally honest uh, people I've ever met in my life. Um, very, very funny man, a lovely, lovely man. And um, all... Uh, you know, my condolences to his to his family and his loved ones and also, you know, they don't call everybody uh, or anyone God's left foot he had an absolutely divine left foot Uh, I think, you know, he he was a very special character, Sandro Mazzola brilliantly, I think, summed him up by saying that every year Helenio Herrera wanted to sell him and every year Angelo Moratti convinced Helenio Herrera to keep him and extended his contract Um, he was an absolutely he was a brilliant character, lovely lovely man um, so rest in peace. And before we go, I'd like to do two shout-outs. We did an interview with the latest signing, uh, Inter's newest signing, Georgios Gior- uh, Vajanidis uh, on Sampling.com. Go check that out. And also, we've released our app, which is 100% ad-free. Um, you can get that uh, depending on where you live, but it'll cost our, uh, it's a premium app. It's 100% ad-free, no banners, no nothing. Three pounds per month or three dollars euros per month or 19 dollars uh, uh, depending on where you live, so go check that out. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us this week. My name is Nima Tavale Rutsari. wishing you all three six points. Good week, and sempre e solo forza inter. Forza inter.